Welcome to Island Baptist Church. Today's sermon is over Malachi chapter 1, entitled, Is This Your Best? We're ready to do what we do here, which is study the Bible. The Bible as the Word of God. Jesus honored it as such, thus so do we. We're working our way through the Old Testament. We're all the way to the last. So we're the only book written by an, written by an Italian, the book of Malachi. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. We've got to get stuff in. I mean, preachers don't have a lot. You know, we're kind of conscripted to the scriptures and kind of stick with the names there. So anyway, yeah, we graduated out of Zechariah, 14 chapters. He's among the majors of the minor prophets, uh, if you will. Uh, but uh, Malachi actually is minor in the sense of what uh, the, the amount that he says. Just four short chapters here, and we're going to be uh, moving ourselves out of the Old Testament. We've been eight years. I started this series of just the highlights of the Old Testament eight years, more or less, eight years ago. And so here we are about to, about to finish it. Had I not done the highlights, who knows? We, none of us would have lived that long. Uh, most likely, because there is just so much to uncover, but moving forward in the direction, like I said, that I believe God had for us, thus the, the reason for it. So Malachi, the book that closes the curtain on the Old Testament, uh, it's sort of like God takes a station break here between prophets. Uh, if you think about him as radio announcers, Malachi is an announcer. The next announcer that comes to the microphone is a guy by the name of John the Baptist. And so he takes a station break, but the station break is almost 400 years. Uh, Malachi has been dated somewhere 380 to 400 A.D. And, of course, uh, A.D. 31, 2, right in there, you have John the Baptist coming, coming up, for, uh, cousin of Jesus Christ. And so 400 years of a station break, if you will, a 400-year halftime is the way I like, I like to think of it. Uh, between uh, the commitments, 73%, though, of your Bible is your Old Testament. And let me just underscore this and, and take it for what it's worth. I have a huge problem with people who do not consider the Old Testament to be either relevant or pertinent to us or matter. 73% of your whole Bible, you're willing to say, is not pertinent to us. So God just 73% of the time made a mistake, and then the rest of the time, is that me? Somebody's warnings. 73% of your Bible? Yeah, you've, you've got to have... You've gotta have uh, knowledge of what this says and yes we had the new testament but the new testament jesus never once referred to the new testament when he when he when he commanded his own authority from the scriptures where did he go neither did the writers of the new testament of course they were writing and living and jesus was speaking the new testament but when when he quoted authority scriptural authority he quoted the old testament can you do that i'm not saying we I'm not trying to downplay the need of the New Testament. Obviously, we need it because God has given it to us. But nonetheless, the Old Testament, is, it, was the, it was the original document of the early church. They, didn't, they weren't preaching from the New Testament. They were living the New Testament. They were writing the New Testament. They were not preaching from it. If they preached from authority, they preached from the Old Testament. And not lacking. They could preach all the authority and all the truth of Christ and all the proof texts they needed necessary. They got it from the Old Testament. So it's just a word. For us, I think important. So as, we, as we're closing it out here, let's not forget it, for sure. So Malachi is a very interesting person because we know so very little, even though we know so very little about him, he's mentioned nowhere else in the Old Testament. 
really because no one else had the chance because he's the last guy. So nobody could come around behind him and say, you remember what Malachi said? And have his stuff recorded because he's the last guy. So he had the book of Nehemiah, which is your otherwise your newest book in the New Testament. And then probably 50 or so years behind the events of Nehemiah, you have come along this guy that we know as Malachi. He's interesting because his name just simply means my messenger. That's what Malachi, Malach is the typical name, by the way, most of, otherwise in your Old Testament, given to angels. They're Hebrew, if we said angel, we would say Malach. So Malachi is the way correct, correctly pronounce it, or East Texas correctly pronounce it, you know. <laughs> Malachi would be my messenger, and often the angels were referred to that way, and it sort of brings up the whole question of, and, and I guess sheds some good light on a New Testament phenomenon or quandary uh, when we get to the New Testament, especially the book of Revelation, where you have seven letters to seven churches, and Jesus addresses those seven letters to seven churches to the seven angels of those seven churches. So why would Jesus ever need to write a letter to an actual angel? It doesn't make sense because it, that's not what it is. Angel just simply means messenger. The messenger could be supernatural, as in the case of angels, if you will, or it could be messenger in the sense of a natural person like this prophet here, Malachi. He's just a messenger. That's all that he is. That's what the, the messengers to the churches in Revelation, just to the pastors or the leaders of those churches, that's all really uh, don't think we need to go beyond that, any kind of interpretation. So, so you have this guy by the name of Malachi, and um, that's what he does. We don't know much about him at all. Unlike most of your writers in the Old Testament who had some kind of pedigree that came and said, I'm the son of so-and-so, who was the son of so-and-so, who was the son of so-and-so. Not only do we not have his name mentioned otherwise in the, in the Old Testament, but we don't have any kind of pedigree. He doesn't come and say, I was you know, from this line or this tribe or anything like that. And so we can only assume who he possibly could be. But really, if you think about it, what, what matters with regards to a message or a messenger? The message. So if I show up at your door with a message, you're going to ask me what my, I don't know, my genealogy and whether my ancestors came across on the Mayflower. I mean, does that really matter? What matters is what am I bringing to you, right? Same issue with Malachi. What, what's the guy bringing to the table? That's the real issue here. I'm not saying that he doesn't matter, but it, had he mattered, the Holy Spirit would have put it in here, but he didn't, so it must not. So let's just take it for that. So, so, so his name actually is, like I said, so straightforward. It simply means my messenger. And he writes about three different messengers, if you will, or classes of messengers that he speaks of that God has used. Uh, uh, first of all, one that he used throughout the ages, which is the one who stood in the place of Levi. For the lips of the priest should preserve knowledge, and the men, who should, uh, men should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger, Lord of hosts. So what his job was. He was a mouthpiece. He was an, an announcer for God. And we have these guys that hold the position of prophets, but the ongoing prophet, if you will, of God standing in the temple was this messenger, this, this, this priest. And then also Malachi predicts, even though Malachi is not like Zechariah, if you like all the prophecy stuff, um, go to Zechariah. But Malachi is not like that. Malachi is in your face, very practical. But he does speak of future events, as in this case. Speaking of a third messenger, second messenger, behold, I send my messenger... He will pray the way before me, speaking prophetically of the one, like I said, the next announcer to the radio station, John the Baptist. And then he's going to be announcing the next messenger, as, again, emphasis mine in both cases, of course. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to the temple. Who's the Lord? Even the messenger of the covenant, the new covenant. We're going to be celebrating today the, the new covenant in the form of the Lord's Supper, this new covenant that now I, I don't have to achieve anything. Christ has achieved everything for me. It's just a matter of, will I trust him? Will I believe him? Will I, will I lay my entire hope of eternal life on the, 
on the messenger and the covenant that he brings, which is life everlasting because he sacrificed his blood for us, not the blood of animals, which was of the old covenant, but his own blood, his own body for us. And so uh, this messenger, again, these three different messengers that Malachi, who is a messenger, brings up to us. And so such a change, like I said, from Zechariah, not ethereal really, this, this book, uh, not future-oriented so much as, as it was in Zechariah. Very practical, very in-your-face. And I would say at this point, this is the time, if you're going to plan to leave, that I would suggest that you do. Because it's not going to be... I know how much fun it's been so far. Well, it will not be fun anymore because Malachi gets in your business. Or I should say, God, through his messenger, gets in your business. And you're, you're not going to... Because I know I haven't, so I'm assuming you won't like what he's got to say. It's going to be stepping on your toes, if you will. It's going to be in your face. It's going to call into question your motives. And it's going to assume bad. And, and I think you'll agree with me, probably accurately so. So let's, let's get into more of this stepping on the toes stuff. Just to begin with, it just starts with some hard facts here. Verse 2 says, uh, I have loved you, God says. To, to Israel. But you say, how hast thou loved us? God answers. Was not Esau Jacob's brother? The answer is yes. Declares the Lord, yet I have loved Jacob, but I have hated Esau. Now, wow. So there you go. It's a big old quandary, and people immediately start coming up with the See, God's just arbitrary. He just arbitrarily is so cold that God would choose one over the other. And let me just say, first of all, he's not. But if he was, what would you do about it? Cannot God be whoever he wants to be? We get all uppity like we got some kind of say over things. You do not. God decides one day just to be evil. Oh, well, you're toast and so am I. We are, all, we are totally dependent upon the choices of God, which, by the way, brings up our text here. So, so God randomly, seemingly so, chooses to love Jacob and to hate Esau, and people have a huge problem with it. And I want to say this. I have a huge problem with it, but not for the same reasons. Because, see, I... I can make a good case of why he should have hated Esau. It makes total sense. The guy, the guy, the guy was profane. He, he disregarded the things that mattered and the things of God he turned his back on. I got every reason in my head that I can come up with why he should have hated Esau. It makes total sense. And, and let me just make a case for all of us. It makes total sense why all of us should go to hell. I can make a good case. I can put you in hell from the scriptures very easily. Me too. I'll be the first, by the way. Because I know it really well. Pretty well. Maybe better than you. I can put us all in hell. I can, and it makes total sense. Clear case. What doesn't make sense is the fact that many people are going to be in heaven. Hopefully, I hope it's you too. I plan to be there. That does not make sense. I, I, I can make a case of why God should hate you and me, but I cannot make a case... I cannot make it make sense between my ears of why he should love us. In fact, should falls out of it, why he does. I can't make a case for that. I can tell you that he does, but I can't tell you why he does. Because there's not one of those. There's not a list inside of our lives the way that we have lived that says, see, that's the reason why he loves her or him. Because he's awesome. Back to, back to Jacob and Esau. I can make a case of why he should hate Esau. I just have a hard time explaining why he loved Jacob. Because I can't find a difference between these guys. 
different sins, but same sinners. I can't make a case for it, you see. We come before the Lord's table here in a bit. I need to remember that. This is, it's all about him, it's not about you. It's all about what he's done and not about what you've done. You don't want the conversation to go to the point where you're talking about what, what you've done. You don't ever want it to go there. So, so let's get into more of now getting into our business here, which, of course, Malachi is going to do it. He's going to be yelling at them here through God. God's going to be yelling through them, uh, through him, about their form that's without substance. Let's take a look. We're going to read chapter, the majority of the, of the first chapter, verses 6 through 14, and then explain. So, so a son honors his father, and a servant is master. Then if I am a father, where's my honor, he says. I said he's right in their face. And, and if I am a master, where is my respect, says the Lord of hosts? O priests who despise my name, but you say, how we despise you? Why don't we all know what you're talking about? We've been great. We're here every Saturday for the worship services. We're, we've been offering these sacrifices. And God says, yeah, let's talk about that. You're presenting defiled food upon my altar. They were the gatekeepers for stuff like that. They, they knew what the standards were. The standards were that God requires your best. Not second rate, not, not something less, not, but your first, your, your best cow, your best sheep, your best goat. And if you bring something less than that, it's not just second rate. It's, it's, not, it's not just a, one was the, an A grade, the other one was a B grade. No, it's an F. It's a zero. It's either A or nothing. God expects our absolute best. And listen, anything less than your best is, is listen to me, worthless to him. Because what it says to him is there's something more important in your life than he is. And he's supposed to just sit back and say, oh, well, that's not that big of a deal. You think he's doing that, but he's not. Never. Like I said, this is in your face. So you despise the table of the Lord. I said, we're going to be at the table here in a bit. So listen to what this says. But, but when you present the blind for a sacrifice, animals that were blinded as opposed to healthy ones, is it not evil? Notice God doesn't just say, you bad boy, pat your little head. It's evil, he says. And when you present the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Why not offer it to your governor? Why, why would he be pleased with you, or would you, he receive you kindly, says the Lord of hosts. But how will you not entreat, and this is him saying, you're trying to entreat the favor of the Lord and you expect him to answer you when you do this? That he may be gracious to us such an offering uh, from our part to receive it from us kindly, says the Lord. On that, he says, and here's one of the strongest statements, maybe in all of Malachi. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the gates, the doors to the temple, that you might not uselessly kindle fires on my altar. There is, listen guys, Halfway worship, I, I should say, no worship, no worship is better than halfway. I didn't write this. Halfway, no service is better than halfway service to God. It, it's, it's better for God to think, oh, well, she forgot, than to, we talked about several weeks ago. It, there's a difference between me tipping you 10 cents and tipping you zero. Zero says I'm just a numbskull and I forgot. Ten cent says I paid attention and here's what I really value at. So my halfway service is tipping God ten cents as opposed to no service whatsoever because I'm just a numbskull. 
I'm just an idiot. I wish someone would shut the doors, he says, so you wouldn't kindle useless fires. I'm not pleased with you, he says. Nor will I accept your offering from you. From the rising of the sun, even to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. In other words, mark it. In every place, incense is going to be offered to my name, and a grain offering that is pure for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you are profaning it, my name. By bringing these second-rate offerings, I thought God would be pleased. It's kind of like we're doing God a favor. No. Shut the doors, he says. It'd be better. At least there'd be a neutral response. But because of what you're doing, there's a negative response. You're profaning, it says. The table of the Lord is defiled. As you, because they do this, it's defiling it. As for its fruits and its food will be despised. But you also say, my, how tiresome it is. Just serving the Lord is just so wearying. There's so many other things that I could be doing. And you disdainfully sniff at it, says the Lord of hosts, and you bring what was taken by robbery and what is lame or sick, and you bring the offering. And should I receive that from your hand, he says. But curse, there's another strong statement. Cursed be the swindler who has a male in his flock and vows it but sacrifices a blemish so he promises to give something good but he instead gives second rate. Cursed be the swindler who does something like that, he says. The animal, for I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among the nations. See, they, they, they knew God requires our best, which often is your first. The first of your flock, the first of your grain, right? The, the, the best, and said so they were not bringing their best. They were bringing something less, something not first, God was not first. He was not priority. But in their minds, they were thinking, it's okay. It's a sort of a sliding scale. Like I said, if it's not A rated, but it's a B, I don't know. B's good with me. 89 is good as an 88, right? 90 is the same as an 89. Who really cares? Well, maybe your teacher doesn't, but God does. Takes it very seriously. Takes it, I, should we say, very personally to be sure. Here, here's maybe something else that was going on with it, not often second rate. The stuff that they were offering, they were putting on a, a, a farce to everyone so that they would somehow believe that, look how good Pastor Bill is because he really serves the Lord. As an example, let's say, oh, Brother Abraham over here has this prize bull, and he's famous in the region. And he starts noticing the prize bull's not quite acting normal, so he calls in the vet. I mean, this thing's worth a lot of money. He calls in the vet to check him out, and the vet comes back and says, oh, brother, this thing's a goner. I give him two weeks. Like, what do I do? Got a lot of money sunk in this. I can't sell it. If I sell it, the guy that buys it for thousands, of course, is going to have it checked out. Going to find out the same thing that this vet found out. The only thing he can do to make it profitable, if you will, is take it and sacrifice it down at the temple. Now, see, I, brother, speaking for brother him, I know that it's a messed up bull. The vet knows it's a messed up bull. And when I get down to the temple, because they were required to check them out, the priest is going to be a nest, messed up bull. But a little money under the table makes it all good. And guess what everybody else thinks about Brother Abraham? He's such a good man. He's such a sacrificial person. Let's make him the pastor. Let's make him the deacon. Let's put him in leadership. Look how awesome he is. So but we forgot one more person who, by the way, is on the inside of all this. That person. He's taking it very personally. 
You're offering defiled food, not your first rate, and you're, you're, you're smearing over it, making people think that, that you're something when you're not. Uh, wow. So like I said, Malachi stuff, and he doesn't get any funner, guys. I'm so sorry. He just won't. Let me ask you this with regards to what we just read and, and said. Is, is, um, is God getting your best? Not, not, I'm not talking about that you want to give him your best and that you used to give him your best. I'm talking about today. Let's say it this way. Is this your best? This. Your current rate, your current state, your current commitment, your current service, your current, current, current. Is this your best? And then with that in mind, let me tell you, tell you this. He demands your best. He will not settle for less. He will not. He's not going to pat you on the back and say, it's okay, try better, try harder next time. No, he's going to say, where is it? Why not? He's got a right, don't you think? I do believe he does. Are, are you weary for, at serving him? So, so let me ask you this in, in, in uh, retrospect um, or in comparison. So do you ever get weary of eating a good steak? For me, weary of fishing? Weary of, of playing golf or whatever it is you like to do? Why don't you weary of those things? Because you love those things, right? And so you don't weary from something. I can tell you, you know how long it takes me to weary at walking in a mall? Five minutes. Five, maybe five. I can stand up in a boat out in the bay all day with the sun cooking my brains out, catching occasional fish, and it's a man, I can stand out there all day. I can march through the woods hunting animals and just being out in the environs and just it's just like it's like it's like I have more energy when it's over than when it started. I get in the mall for two minutes, I'm just like, oh, call an ambulance, you know, I just can't do this. <laughs> you don't want to know why? Because I love that other stuff and I hate shopping. It's, it's a hard issue. So, so, so let me ask you this again. We weary serving the Lord, and yet we don't weary at other things that we love. So what does it say about our relationship to the Lord? It speaks volumes. It really does. Loud. Well, I just get tired. And it's, it's hard to get going. It's hard, hard to get there. And, and um, so like I said, you get tired of these other things? No, because you love them. That's why. So take it for what it's worth. I think sometimes we believe that God is satisfied with us in anything that we give him. I don't know where we got that from, but it wasn't from the Bible. Watch. Mark, Mark 12, 30. You shall love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. That's the greatest commandment in the whole Bible. So you can just freely break that commandment. It's not a big deal. Maybe not to you, maybe none to us, but let me tell you something. I know someone who it's a big deal to. Now, he's not happy. Or you shouldn't think he is with regards to that. Again, all? Where do we never get any of this idea that we can just give partial? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable, Lord, which is your reasonable service. I mean, it's just like the minimum, right? It's the minimum. And yet we think God is okay with less than that. No. I mean, you're fooling yourself. And by the way, he, he demanded their best, their best offerings, the first of their animals, the first of their crops, and there's a number of reasons for that, but the bottom line was is he's worth it. He is worthy 
of it. He doesn't have to make a case. He doesn't have to explain himself. He is God, and he is worthy. Do we agree? Can we agree that he's worthy of our all? Isn't he? Famous, I don't know how many Baptists we got in here. I know a couple of you around here. I see your faces because you've got that look, you know. <laughs> Famous Baptist hymn. It's in other churches as well, but of course all the Baptists think all the good stuff that we invented it. I surrender all, familiar with the old hymn, all to Jesus, I surrender all to him, I freely give, right? There's, I don't know how many countless invitations that I have been through as a pastor, but then as a, just a church member, and Billy Graham Crusades, I mean, that's, that's such a great hymn, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. Um, how many times have we sung that and it been A lie. A lie. Because it just wasn't true. We mouthed a lie in church. Maybe, maybe less of a lie, less of sinful would be if we crafted it like this. Whatever I have left over of my money, time, and energy to Jesus, I surrender. Whatever's left over, I freely give. The cast off to Jesus. I surrender the things I didn't want anyway. I freely give it be closer. Would it be closer to the truth? Have we worked? Here's a searching question. Have we worked carefully, intentionally, seriously, creatively at the things that God has called us to do, being faithful both to him and to his people? Have we done that? Or do we think that showing up once in a while and doing something once in a while is doing God a favor? Because it's not. No worship, again, is better than half-hearted worship. Again, verse 10, would that someone would come and shut the doors, he says. That, that, that they may not kindle useless fires on my altar. Wow. Best is always first. I don't know what my best is. It's whatever first is. Because that's your best. First part of your day, first part of your money, first part of your energies, not leftovers. Not leftovers. The God of the Bible is offended by such offerings. He is. He just is. Again, verse 8 and 9, the com comparables here I think are rich. When, when you present your blind and sacrifices, is it not evil? And when you present the lame and the sick, is it not evil? And why not offer it to your governor? Try that, right? Would, would he be pleased with you? Anybody get nervous around April 15th? Anybody here? Or is it like the best season of the year for you? I can't wait to send my money off to a bunch of people I disagree with. <laughs> Does it bother you to pay taxes? It bothers me more as the years go by. The more I know, the more I pay, it seems, anymore. The, the more it bothers me. But nonetheless, what do I do? I pay it because why? Because, well, for me, honestly, and I'm not trying to put myself out here, but I'm the pastor of this church, and I can't be skipping out on my taxes. I mean, it's just wrong. And, but then, in additionally, additionally I've, my conviction before God, it says in Romans, I'm to, pay, to render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Pay your taxes, right? Leave nothing left as a debt except the, the, the debt of love, of course, which we're always, always paying. But, but I also pay it out of fear. Because I don't want them coming sniffing in places I don't want them sniffing. And I believe they do that. 
And I have known people who have done that, and they, every one of them has said, and some of them were squeaky clean, they still said, you never want them doing that. It's a horrible experience. And so that's also a motivation. It really is. We, we, we have a motivation. We have a respect, even though we not, might not respect everything they do. We have a respect for the position of authority that they hold. They can show up at your doorstep with a little subpoena and saying, I need all your records, and I need to go through everything that you've done since you were three years old. We respect that, don't we? We respect, for instance, that we're driving down the highway and we see a policeman. Anybody slow down every time you see a policeman, regardless of what speed you're going at? You just tap the brake, don't you? That's how they know. By the way, when you pass me, you tap the brake, they know that's, that's the person I'm going to pull over. The other day, I was, when was the last time you were pulled over, by the way? It was a week and a half ago for me, just being honest with y'all, coming through Los Fresnos. Anybody ever been pulled over in Los Fresnos? I have a couple of tickets there myself. Anybody been pulled over in Los Fresnos for the totally wrong reason? Paid 200 bucks for that, to be the wrong person. So I was coming through Los Fresnos. I was stopped by the railroad tracks. This is in the middle of the night. I was coming back from my father's recent funeral. I've been traveling eight hours from East Texas. I was just tired. I was ready to come home. I stopped the railroad track. I was the first one in line. Next to me was the constable. We were both sitting and the bars had come down and the lights are flashing and the train, you know, goes forward and then it backs up and then it stops and it goes forward again. And finally it goes and the arms lift. So the arms lift, what does that mean? You know, stop, go. The arms lift, but the lights were still flashing. See, I didn't know that. <laughs> and so I just went and I looked in the side mirror and I saw the constable was still sitting at the rail tracks and I just thought, you know, loser, I'm headed to... Fort Isabel. Uh, he just watches me go, and then he pulls in behind me, pulls me over, and I thought, oh man, I shouldn't have sat next to him because, you know, I started checking my sticker, and I started checking, you know, I don't know what I did. Maybe I got a headlight out. I don't know what it is. We'll kind of find out. You can't just go through the tracks when the arms are lifted. The lights have to be stopped. I did not know that. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. You know, but, but there was, every time I see a policeman, when I saw him behind me, I was just started, oh my goodness, what have I done? Where's my license? And all this, you know, I got to have my insurance. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm legitimate. I'm not trying to run under the, cover, under the screens of anything. I'm trying to be as legitimate as I possibly can. Like I said, I'm a pastor of a church. I mean, I'm trying to do what's right in God's eyes and everybody else's eyes. But still, there's a fear in me. It's, it's correct, is it not? They have a position of authority. We have respect for them. Even though we may not like the stuff that they do and they, they may not treat us right every single time, nonetheless, there is a respect. There is, there is an established respect there. It should be. Let me ask you something. Does God deserve more or less fear and respect? More or less? Should be more, right? And yet, we, how many limits of His are we breaking all the time and it doesn't seem to bother us? How much less can we do for Him, it seems, and it just doesn't seem to get to us at all. There's not really... We don't really respect him. We, we expect that the IRS is going to show up at our door if we keep skipping out, right? But we don't think somehow that God's going to show up. And like I said, I just don't know where we're getting that from because it's not in here. He's a showing up kind of God. He is. To be more or less serious about the way that we treat him, and you may say, yeah, but I, I, have, to, I have to pay my taxes. Yeah, but you don't have to serve the Lord. Is that right? Is that right? You don't, by the way, have to pay your taxes. You're free to break that law. You're just not free from the consequences. You don't have to serve God. You don't have to obey Him, but you're not free from the consequences. But somehow we think we are. It's just wrong. It's just so messed up. Your, your best is your first. 
Deuteronomy 15, 19, you must consecrate. Notice he doesn't suggest it. You must consecrate to the Lord your, your God every firstborn male pro, uh, produced by your herd and your flock. You must, he says. Your first is your best. Honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first produce of your entire harvest. See, it's not just money and properties. It's whatever. There's more valuable stuff really to us. And time is a very valuable thing. It's the first that matters. Then, notice, there's a consequence. It's positive. Then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. Jesus said a similar thing with sort of a double down on it here. Seek first. Again, first, not second. At least I did it, right? God should be pleased, right? Not necessarily. Seek first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So God's in a provision business. But we get second-rate blessings because we offer God second-rate sacrifices. Second-rate offerings. And we shouldn't be surprised, but we are. And we get mad at him. And then God is just saying, you're tying my hands here. The Lord, Lord is not cutting us any slack here. And he, he calls giving second-rate to him some horrible stuff. And it just needs to hit us because that's what it's here for. He calls it defiled, verse 7. He says, it's, it's defiled when you're presenting your food upon my altar, but it, it's it, because of the what you're doing, because you're not obeying me, it's defiled. He calls it evil, verse 8. He calls it profane, verse 12. He pronounces a curse on it in verse 14, one of the strongest curses of, in the whole Bible. Cursed is a swindler, right? Wow. When we don't bring him our best, our first, our, our genuine, our authentic selves in service. He's, he's not just saying it's not a big deal. He's saying it is a really big deal. I want to read you something just because I know you're not offended enough. Because I want to make sure that it's, all, that it's all there. Because the guy wrote a little piece about this, especially about closing the doors of the temple that I thought was applicable. It spoke to me, and, and I, honestly, when I, when I come over, and I did, you know, the, the only reason why I'm so, so clear on this is because I've already repented, I've already had my chance. See, I'm, I'm, just one, I'm just one week ahead of all you guys. Let me ask you repentance and, and asking for you to confession is just because that's what I did. Really, I can't, I, how can I stand up here and preach this stuff and not let it deal with me? And if I can, then, you know, let me raise the motion that we get us, ourselves another pastor here, because honestly... If he's not letting the Scripture speak to him, then why should he be speaking on behalf of God to his people? But, but anyway, I read this, and I thought, wow, what a, what a way to end it for sure, for me, and I hope for you. It's called, I Voted to Close the Church. I voted to close the church, not intentionally, not, not maliciously perhaps, but, but carelessly, thoughtlessly, lazily, indifferently. I voted. I, I voted to close its doors that its witness and its testimony might be stopped. I voted to close the open Bible on its pulpits, the Bible that had been given to us by the means of the struggle and by, by, by the blood of martyrs who died that we might read it freely. For you see, I, I could have gone and I should have, but I didn't. And, and I could have served and I should have, but I didn't. And, and I could have prayed and I should have prayed, but I didn't. And I could have tithed, and I could have given, and I should have, but I didn't. And as a result, I voted. 
I voted. I want to ask you please to clap, bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we let God deal with us about what he's been speaking today. God, I thank you so much that you are straightforward with us and we so need that. And, and not only do we need stuff in our face, I, I need it, God, we all need it. But more than anything, we need to be the kind of people who can take it and for what it is, not blow it off, not consider it something that's not important, but take it for the seriousness of what your word is. Your word is you speaking directly to us, the God of eternity, the God who created all things, who holds our life in his hands, is speaking to us. Help us to take it just like that. I pray, God, that in, uh, as a result, you would bring about repentance in us, you would bring about a change in us, you bring about self-examination, Lord, as we're here in front of your table. Lord, that we not, as they were doing, that we not despise your table. As you demonstrate the great sacrifice that you made for us through your son, that we may not turn around and just say, I have a right to do whatever I want to do. Instead, Lord, we would say, as he sacrificed for us, so we sacrifice ourselves to him. God, I thank you for speaking to us today. Thank you for this good word that we needed to hear. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptist.org.